You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an orphan black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And this week, since we are talking about season three promos, we are going to be spoilery. And so Stephanie is not here because Stephanie does not watch any of the promos. So I got I got some guest co-hosts with me. Kevin Batchelder and Sally Heaven have kindly agreed to join me. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, I was kind of wondering when I saw you mention the topic of the season three promos, I'm like, Stephanie's not going to like that. <laughs> no, Stephanie was very excited because she's like, I got a week off. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, rub it in, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you'll listen to this after the season three finale or? I'm pretty sure she still hasn't listened to the second season one. <laughs> she talked about doing it once or twice. She's like, I should listen to it and see See how ridiculous your predictions are, but I, I don't know that she ever did. Oh, okay. Would you Would you both like to promote the things your uh, your other your other projects? Sure, ladies first. Go right ahead, Sally. I don't have any other projects to promote right now. I write a blog for a different show, Lost Girl, that you may have heard of. Uh, it's a fan blog called WeAreUnaligned.com. dot com, and we have fun. The show is on their mid-season hiatus right now, so there's not a ton of content, but check it out, I guess. <laughs> there are recipes and things on there, though. Yeah, some spaghetti sauce. You'll love it. It'll give you chi. There you go. <laughs> and who doesn't need that? Exactly. Uh, my main uh, content is over at uh, tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. We cover all the genre shows, including Orphan Black and Lost Curl and many others. My friends Wendy and Brent and I, every week, uh, cover news of genre shows and discuss a few episodes from that week that we find interesting. So if you'd like to go throughout the genre world, we're probably talking about a show you might enjoy over there. Awesome. Awesome. You're, you're on uh, Arrow Squad too, right? Yes. Uh, also, uh, the TV show Arrow is a big uh, fave of mine. So with uh, my friends Emily and Brian, we cover that every week at uh, arrowsquad.com. And if you've basically listened to any podcast ever, you've probably heard Kevin guest on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do tend to enjoy stuff just like this, getting together with friends and talking about genre shows. So yeah, my voice is uh, out in many places. Well, are we ready to get rolling on on promo talk? Absolutely. Alrighty. So one of the earlier... Actually, I think the first promo that they ran... For season three, actually didn't have any footage of clones in it. It was the You Don't Own Us promo. Do you guys remember that one? Mm-hmm. And yep. the initial version, I noticed, isn't on the BBC America um, YouTube channel anymore. Huh. Because it was, you know, the, the song with the clip, the song singing You Don't Own Us. Or You Don't Own Me, pardon me. Uh, I wonder if that was a rights issue or something. I don't know. It might have been, but... But yeah, they changed the song out on that one, but the footage is still there. It's the um, dividing cells. Yes. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I just saw it for the first time last night when I watched the entire playlist of all of the promos. So I hadn't seen it before. Did you get promo overload? I call it promo overload. No, I just, I, I missed it. I think I don't always, I'm not always able to keep up with uh, with everything. And so I just missed it when it first was out. Yeah, for the longest time I used to have uh, email notices coming on the uh, BBC America YouTube channel, but they put out so much stuff, it was just insane, because I was mainly looking for the Orphan Black stuff and a couple of other shows, so I've had to kind of wait for the fandom to mention some of these before I can go in and find a lot of them. Yeah, really, the the way to see them is to follow Orphan Black on various social media formats, because... Yeah, BBC America, I did notice I went over there looking for some specific Orphan Black video at some point and almost got lost on their YouTube page. There is so much content there. Yeah, that's not a complaint on my part. I wish more networks were as giving of stuff, It's, uh, but it's, uh, it's a little needle in a haystack sometimes if you're looking for something specific. Yeah. Anyway, there was that one, and then they had the series, the I Am Not Your... And then it was like toy, experiment, incubator, weapon, and property, I think, were the five things that they're not. Those were interesting, interesting promos, I thought. Yeah, it was very cool the way they released those, too, a little bit. uh, Weren't they separating those initially by like a week or something? 
Uh, I think it was daily, wasn't it? Was it daily? Yeah, but it was kind of nice because you got to anticipate, you know, which one was coming next. Right. That was the one that uh, the initial ones had at the end. There was like two or three scenes from last season and maybe a new one or two. And then them saying, I am not your whatever. And then at the end, they flashed the binary code. Yeah. Yeah, I missed those the first time around, too. But then I saw them last night and they were really cool. I was wondering if they were if they're going to be part of season three or if they were recorded separately. Like, you know, they're not in any scenes. It's just something to sort of make the point or illustrate the point. I think it is just part of the promo stuff. Yeah, I'm real. I'm really curious about the uh, the phrasing they use at the end, the whole declaration of uh, the fight and everything. Yeah, the um, that was actually, I think, a separate one, but in the same format probably recorded at the same time the this is a fight for knowledge this is war but this is our fight those with power do not give it up easily they never have and they never will which (laughs) (laughs) well it's just amazing too because i think it very much shows the growth i mean when we first fell into the series in those first couple of episodes you know we had no idea of the scope of this and uh, now to have the two different groups and everything else, and male and female, is realizing that it really is an amazingly larger scale situation. Right. I know fandom has a lot of sort of mixed feelings about that. What are what are your feelings, Sally? Feelings about how like the scope of the conspiracy is just ever widening. Yes. Well, I like it. I mean, in the first season, we saw, you know, sort of two opposing sides the Dyad Institute and sort of by extension, the evolutionists and then the Prolethians. And, you know, so it was like, it seemed like sort of a classic yin yang science versus, you know, fundamentalism. And, you know, I think that was a good story for the first season, but I think three seasons of that would be a little repetitive. So, you know, uncovering new layers of the conspiracy, I think it helps to me, like it's gonna um, keep it fresh. I mean, you know, the military and then topside, and you know, whatever else is going on. If there are additional Prolethean communities or anything like that, I think it's gonna be great. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, I know some folks. I uh, heard some general comments that they're not excited about the fact that we really have a strong, what looks like a, a strong military involvement. Which, to me, you know, I kind of get a lot of folks don't like that part of storylines. But also, when you think about what the show is based on uh we all know certainly when it looks to genre type shows the military is always going to get their hands in anything that could be seen as as a uh really a a weapon or a a way to get an upper hand in a situation so i kind of knew that was eventually going to have some way to play in here i must say the thing that i got to give them a lot of credit for is i didn't see the division of female versus male uh, although it should have made perfect sense now stepping back. But so I'm very intrigued for where it goes. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those things. I think we talked about this in a previous episode that it's kind of interesting that they didn't start out there because a lot of sci-fi shows, if they're going to do this sort of thing, like the big scientific experiment conspiracy type thing, it usually originates with the military like Dark Angel. I don't know if either of you watched Dark Angel. Yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't. But I think it's great how they what they've essentially done is they've told the story through the perspective of Sarah only at first. And then they've gradually expanded it to telling it through the eyes of the people who are closest to her. But, you know, they've never taken the uh, well, at least for most of the storytelling and how they're revealing the story, you know, the like general omniscient sort of narrator we certainly get to see you know everybody in different situations but you know we are learning about the different parts of the conspiracy as one of the main characters learns about them i do think it's a smart way to go about it yeah because see the thing i also remember and it's funny as i've had a couple of folks uh, including my uh, oldest daughter uh, one day she and her boyfriend were over and watched a few episodes from season one to get her hooked and the thing that really caught me going back and actually watching it again and watching it with some other folks who are new to it is it's so much easier to identify with the characters when it's that smaller world you know if you start out with this big grandiose evil and the good side and the evil side and there's five layers to get from the character you watch to the top level sometimes it's hard to identify or really feel 
you're in with that group. I, I love this way that it was just a couple of people and I think as you said, Sally, the onion is getting peeled back <laughs> and wow, is there a lot more to it. And I, what I like about that too, it's it kind of reminds me of like a good novel because very often good novels are sort of from the perspective of their main character. And so it is one of those things where as they're discovering new information, you're discovering new information. So mm-hmm. it does make it easier to connect to the story that way, I feel like. I love the analogy. Mm, yep. And it's interesting, too, because a lot of times when I'm seeing these things, it's like, you know, don't go messing with my people here. You know, I already feel ownership with it. And, uh, you know, I'm very hesitant now when new faces come in about, oh, don't trust him too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Even Cal, I don't know if I trust Cal. You know, that reminds me what you just said, Kevin, about, you know, characters. I think that that's where this show and other shows that are character driven, but also have really interesting things going on with their plots and their narrative. I think that character is really crucial because there have been shows that have had really interesting plots and I've thought, Oh my gosh, like I've got to watch this. And then, you know, I've given it a try, but like some of those shows, I won't name them because this isn't the, you know, this other shows podcast or anything, but we'll talk later. (laughs) yeah but there are shows that have had really interesting premises but i couldn't connect with any of the characters either because you know they just weren't set up to you know be primarily about the characters or for whatever reason and i you know lost interest in the shows it's all about like the people and the characters for me right i've got a similar thing going on with a tv show that's on right now anyway (laughs) this podcast is not about that show (laughs) (laughs) No, but we all know that feeling of how hard it is when you have a show you absolutely love and you are showing it to someone. And we're not talking about, you know, sending them the DVDs or telling them to watch it. It's tough when you're in that same room because you do want to literally pause like 15 times to go, did you see that? Did you see that? Wasn't that cool? Hope you caught that part. <laughs> love it as much as I do, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> Validate me, please. Exactly. So what'd you think? <laughs> Any other comments about the... Uh... I am not your fill-in-the-blank <laughs> promos. No, it was a good way to get us kind of teased and hooked without giving any season three stuff for the most part. And it's also really empowering. It stays true to the theme of, you know, strong, powerful women on Orphan Black. Indeed. Ownership. I do feel, <laughs> yes. I, I did kind of question, not really question, but I thought it was interesting that Allison's I am not your was toy because the others are so specific and make sense in the context of their stories. But I was trying to, I don't know, trying to figure out Allison's I am not your toy. Like, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I don't know. Am I overthinking it? No, I think her, I mean, her story certainly so far has often been that she's the, the one in the bubble that everybody is staring at. She has that... Uh complex a little bit about this so she i think perceives herself as having everybody else has control of what's going on with her life and she doesn't or hasn't until she kind of got a little aggressive certainly with the body count but you know it's so i think it that's that's the her view of the higher ups the muckety mucks always toying around and messing around with her that's a good point and i did at some point think too that she is, I think, maybe the most often manipulated, but not in not in the same way as like Sarah is. Because they want Sarah for a bigger purpose, but Allison, I think, kind of gets shuffled around and used sort of as as a pawn in everybody else's game. Do you think mm. that's fair? I think that's insightful. I hadn't thought of it that way. Because like Sarah will essentially use Allison as as sort of a, a decoy. Right. You know? Well, I wonder also, you know, Allison is a stay-at-home mom in the suburbs. And, you know, I think that perhaps she she seems to love that role and be, you know, that seems to be like what she wanted for her life. But there is probably also some kind of tension that she feels maybe being in that role where you know, people can, like nobody that we've necessarily seen in the show, but like in general can trivialize or discount the importance of a stay at home mom. And so 
maybe that is also part of her way of, you know, striking back at people who just think she's not important or dangerous. Yeah, her time is often already laid out to help other people, the family, the house, the commitments. It's not her, it's her commitments. So she has, I think, a little that frustration that she doesn't get to choose a lot of what she ends up doing, whereas some of the other folks uh, probably feel like they have a little more control over their lives, and she feels like she has less. Good points. I like it. But, oh, does it make for some great humor? (laughs) (laughs) Usually at Donnie's expense, but hey, he deserved it. (laughs) (sighs) It still hurts in the shower. Anyway. And I don't know if it was in was it in this playlist? Maybe it was as what bounced around a little. That whole Donnie Allison in love video thing they did was mm-hmm. just absolutely brilliant. I loved that so much. <laughs> that thing just made me smile incredibly. It is it is sweet in their own weird, very weird up way. kind of way. Yes. <laughs> and then I guess the last big point that they keep hitting on the promos is the quote from the the Scarface clone whose name I always forget. I think it's Rudy. He says to Sarah, count your sisters. And this has shown up in multiple promos now. And every time I hear it, I think, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, to me so far of all those promos, that's probably the line that I am most concerned about and also interested in. Because it definitely, it stuck out the even the first time I heard it. Is it a threat? Is it just a, hey, you don't know something? Or, you know, is it just a a misdirection they're trying to throw us in another angle? I was just, I was very confused by Count Your Sisters. It could mean lots of things, but I don't know that we have many clues about what it actually means. I think it was in the same conversation with Scarface Rudy that he also, that Sarah said, I trust my sisters. I only trust my sisters. And he was like, maybe you're trusting the wrong people. And that was in the context of you're working for Dyad now. And she said, you know, no, I'm working for myself or whatever. But I don't know what it means. Anything I would say would be a guess. But maybe that means there's another clone that is going to rear her head. I do want to make clear, this this episode is nothing but guessing. (laughs) Total wild speculation here. (laughs) None of us has insider information, so it's all educated guessing. Semi-educated guessing. (laughs) Well, there was also a line in one of the, I think it was something from maybe season one or two, where they said there were nine of the Lita clones. Did I hear that right? I remember that as well. So uh, it, it happened somewhere. Yes, I so, agree with okay. you that, Sally. But I, I thought nine? I, we aren't even close to that yet. Well, let's but, see. Let's but there's, well, in season two, at the end of season two, Donnie says to uh, Vic, there's 11 SA. Let's see. Okay. Sarah, Kasima, Allison, Helena, Rachel, Beth, Yannicka Ziegler, Katya, Katya, Danielle Fournier, and uh, Tony. Fit, Je- Tony and Jennifer Fitzsimmons. Jennifer Fitzsimmons. That's oh. 11. Okay. All right. See? Huh. But that's, you know, that we know of. <laughs> anyway, Maybe but not. the, yeah, the count your sisters line, it's one of those things I can't tell if, because there's not quite enough context for me to, like, figure out what it is that he's trying to convey. Like, is he trying to say, you know, oh, are you missing one? <laughs> because they are. <laughs> Or, or is it, uh, you know, something that's crossed my mind is, I don't know why I was thinking this, but like, is it that Sarah is trying to figure out the caster clones, how many of them there might be? And it's, he's giving her some sort of indicate, this is a stretch on my part, I realize, but, and he's giving her some sort of indication, like, well, if there are at least 11 of you, how many could there be of, of caster? I don't know. Good question. Mm, yeah. Okay. Hadn't thought of that. These are just random thoughts from thinking about it too much. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our job. (laughs) Anything else about promo themes? There's a definite, I already kind of said this, but all of the promos in terms of a theme, it seems like there's a kind of striking back, taking back the control, taking back the reins Mm -hmm. instead of just reacting to what's happening to them. So it seems like they've 
organized themselves, made a decision and, you know, they're taking definitive action instead of just trying to either get away, get along or, you know, not let things affect them too much. They're, they're definitely doing something. Right. Now, another thing that strikes me is, and I don't know if it's on purpose or just by the nature of wanting to highlight, you know, really skilled members of your cast, it seems like we've, we've only seen a couple of characters. We haven't even seen a lot of uh, stuff from, from some of the secondary levels, which tends to make, you know, things so interesting. I did notice that, too, that there's actually very little Felix in the trailers. Like, he'll be there and he'll say stuff, but it's usually, like, some comment to or about Sarah or the other clones. So, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, and some of the big story twists and moves have been because of the, the great secondary characters that are there. So I, I'm wondering if that's on purpose that they know the fans, you know, will just dive on anything with, with Tatiana and, and our new set of clones. So it's their way of kind of hiding that uh, we, we ain't seen nothing yet, as usual. They're going to make a lot happen with other roles. You know, and I, there is something that I did notice, and you're mentioning Felix jogged my memory thought it was weird it was kind of like the backgrounder like here is orphan black and what's going on trailer or recap whatever it was when they were saying you know dia there are these clones every clone has a monitor and then they cut immediately to a scene of like felix looking over at sarah and i think we've established pretty well that none of us think that felix is either a clone or a monitor and they're all just kind of you know he's just kind of caught up in this because he's Sarah's foster brother, but that has to have been deliberate. I don't know if, um, I don't know if I think they're actually going to go that way. Like with making, you know, writing into the story that Felix is somehow a monitor or associated with Dyad or was recruited somewhere along the way. That seems very unlikely to me, but you know, the promo really made me pause because it seemed like they were definitely trying to imply that Felix had some kind of, Maybe not to be trusted. I don't know. I am in denial about any such thing until further notice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's going to be a thing, but. No, but we know with the showrunners, the way they think things true, as you're saying, Sally, that that I doubt that was just coincidence. Um, So I think it's also there to knowing they have a fandom that thinks and overthinks and loves things to death that they will then do what we're doing right now which is getting us away from maybe talking about something else that's the real nature of what's going on. Uh, like it was a red herring. Yeah, yeah. An elaborate red herring. Yeah, I mean, any guys mm. that can have the idea for the clone dance party, you know, at the beginning of the <laughs> season and spend all season getting there, you know they think this stuff through. There was that really unnerving quote from Graham Manson. I think it was maybe at WonderCon where he said something about how they started doing a thing in the writer's room where they think, what's the stupidest thing we could do and then figure out how to make it work? (laughs) I'm like, Graham, that does not make me feel any better about any of this. (laughs) And I don't think it was supposed to. (laughs) I know. I know. Well, something, but it's working. (laughs) It is working. Something I read, you know, that Stephen King wrote in his book on writing was kill your darlings. And so if you have a favorite character or just something that you as the author love, then you should kill it off. Let's hope that the producers and writers have not read that book. (laughs) There was something I was reading lately. Like recently I saw something referring to that quote and sort of disagreeing with it strongly, which I do tend to disagree with that strongly, but, but that's me. I kind of, I wonder if like, you know, there's, I can't remember all the context around it, but I think that he was saying it was in the context of taking risks and maybe like, not that, you know, writers that aren't writing fan fiction are necessarily writing Mary Sue characters in there, but I don't know. You know, I think he was also saying maybe not like kill them dead, but like if you have a character who's so perfect and then, you know, you love them so much, you don't want ever to let anything bad happen to them, then, you know, perhaps that could make like for a boring show because there's no conflict or a boring story. No, I mean, I get it, but I just I feel like pop culture has gone too far in that direction. (laughs) It's because of Joss Whedon. I I yes. do largely blame Joss Whedon. Yeah, I think we... <laughs> there's the lightning rod. Anywho. He's, he's, he's a major 
perpetrator of that that thing. Anyway, Sarah in the previews, I, uh, poor Sarah, because <laughs> it, it seems like she's and, and Tatiana Maslany has talked about this. She she's basically been shoved into this leadership role, and she's doing really well with it. <laughs> so good for her. But then. You know, the, there's that scene that we were just talking about not too long ago about um, facing off with Rudy and him basically talking about how she's there on behalf of Dyad and like this is news to Sarah. <laughs> it's right. like it's like what? No. Anyway, but I, well, just, well, I, I think that's interesting that she's sort of inadvertently become the ambassador for the Lita clones. It seems like. It definitely seems like that. I mean, when we last saw her in the um, in the last episode of the second season, she was being introduced by Marion Bowles to Topside, which seems like it's over Dyad in some respect. But Sarah definitely doesn't seem like she's working for either of them. It she's made, freelancing. Yeah, it made me wonder where he's getting his information. Mm-hmm. You know, is is it legitimate? Or has someone fed him purposely misinformation to create that tension level with her? Right, because it's still not clear to me how long he's been in that that cell in Marion Bowles' basement or wherever that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, we, we have so much to learn about the caster clones. That's the one thing I kind of have told myself on some of these previews, because I've started to look at some of that and ask those questions. And to a certain degree, I've told myself... Okay, they've selectively dropped us in. We don't have any context for a lot of these guys yet. So we've got to be careful to make judgments on it. Because, again, I I just think it it could be a a, a misinformation campaign to create that potentially. Maybe not. Maybe they've been aware and monitoring Dyad and what uh, Sarah and her sisters have been doing. But we don't know that yet. Um, So I've had to kind of temper some of my thoughts where I might normally go. Uh, knowing this type of show. It is interesting. We're, I'm, we're segueing slightly into the caster clones, but you know, I'm just going to go with it for a second because to me, it's interesting what they've done because there's simultaneously sort of seeming like a threat. And at the same time, they're really clearly paralleling them with the Lita clones. It seems like, right. They're, there was one of the caster clones in the, this is a fight for knowledge. This is war, but this is our fight. And those with power do not give it up easily. They never have. And they never will. I think he was the one who said, and they never will, hmm. or they never have. He was what he was one of those. He, they, they dropped him in with like all of the Lita clones, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. I wonder if it's foreshadowing that the Lita and caster clones will eventually join forces. Now, while we're talking about them too, I'm very curious to hear the thoughts from both of you on this, the one thing that has seemed consistent across the stuff we've seen so far for the caster clones is we certainly know the female clones all having very distinctive personalities. The caster clones for what they've showed us so far, most of these guys, not all of them, um, you know, certainly maybe not so much with uh, Mark and Gracie, just seem like really potentially unstable, you know, uh, very aggressive, I mean, is that just me overinterpreting? I don't think so. I think the only one that doesn't worry me yet <laughs> in in terms of being stable was the the one who's the soldier who's with Helena. Now, we haven't seen that much from him, but he doesn't seem excessively crazy. Like the guy <laughs> with the red X's over his eyes <laughs> yeah, or, or Scarface we saw making crazy faces at Sarah through the, the glass, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Those guys worry me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet about the military guy who's with Helena because we've only seen him in one or two scenes and he, he hasn't done anything crazy yet. <laughs> he also hasn't even hardly opened his mouth <laughs> yeah. to say exactly. anything, right? Exactly. time. <laughs> But the fact that he's holding Helena prisoner worries me a bit. But it's not him specifically. It's it's Project Caster as a whole, it seems like. so. It's the Project Caster industrial, military industrial complex. Right. Well, it could be the, that this is the male side of the equation. It could be that this is a military side. You know, I mean, it's again, I don't want to overanalyze yet, but I'm just wondering if we're going to get at least a little bit of a a variance or this they're all going to turn out and maybe it's because they're all aware of each other too 
So they pick up each other's traits much more than any of our ladies would have because they were all living separate lives. Well, yeah. I mean, if they were bred to be super soldiers, which is that an assumption or is it I think it feels to me like something that we saw in a promo that they were bred to be super soldiers. I don't think they ever said that. Uh, Maybe it's an assumption, but it seems like a safe one. (laughs) They did say that they were raised together, raised to be a unit in one of the promos. There was there was that information. Raised to be soldiers, but I don't know about super soldiers. What if you were, I mean, this reminds me of Star Trek and Star Wars. I mean, I just pulled a President Obama, you guys. Um, It reminds me (laughs) of Star Wars, the Clone Wars, you know, and I mean, the same clone template was used for, you know, the the clone army. What are they called? The stormtroopers. Right. You know, but not that anyone can see what they look like, right? Unless they take off their outfits. Can you imagine being at war and then there are like nine or 11 or maybe more soldiers that all look the same that are coming after you? That would be very unnerving because part of, I think part of the military philosophy anyway, when they're training people is, you know, break them down, make them obey orders so they can do all these different things. Like don't necessarily see the enemy as people, you know, they're the enemy, And, you know, if you're facing an enemy that they all look alike, you know, that removes, well, it creates a lot of questions, first of all, but it also removes, you know, the um, impression that who you're fighting is a pack of individual people. You know, if you, if you saw, if I saw 10 identical people coming at me on a field of battle, like. I would assume they're androids. Yeah, (laughs) so would I. And that, that, and that very much would tie into the idea of more than just a person, a super soldier, or something really, you know, more powerful, and therefore create some doubt in you for that reason. That's right. And then, what if all of the androids were played by Zoe Palmer? <laughs> uh, I think that's another show and another podcast. <laughs> Sally's Sally's making reference to an upcoming show called Dark Matter. Just FYI. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it is it is wild. But going back to the Rudy clone, when Sarah comes in, he says, Sarah Manning, you're a legend. You're the wild one. And I think that I left you guys a voicemail comment, you know, several months ago, or maybe I intended to. I don't remember if I actually did. His use of the phrase, the wild one, even though Sarah is wild, I was pretty sure they were alluding to the wild type, which is a genetics reference when you're making transgenic organisms the wild type is the original so the unmodified genome and um you know they've made modifications the clones to make them sterile and you know inadvertently created this additional autoimmune consequence but that says to me that sarah's genes since she is fertile and presumably helena too you know that Maybe she doesn't have a barcode. Do you think she has a bar a barcode? Do we know for sure? I don't think we do know for sure. Yeah, I'm so not maybe, aware if she is. That's that's a hmm. That's got me thinking now. I mean, I think the legality. We found out that Kasima did because she sequenced her DNA. But you know, I think the legality. I don't think that you know we're not actually facing this question in real life that we know of. But on the show, like even though. The barcode in their DNA says property of da-da-da-da-da, and this is patented. Like, I don't think that will eventually hold up in court, but, you know, it's even less murky if you consider that maybe Sarah doesn't even possess such a barcode. Hmm. Now, I mean, there's no reason to assume that she doesn't to me. I mean, I would think that they did put a barcode on her. We don't know why it is that she and Helena are fertile. Yeah, this is wild speculation, and it's, you know, mostly fueled by Rudy calling her the wild one, which made me think of wild type. But Well, Kasima does call her the wild type at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's part of why Rachel was so resentful of Sarah, not just because she could have children and stuff. Maybe Rachel happened to know that there was some sort of something went wrong with the, you know, cloning process perhaps because wasn't sarah actually originally intended to be the duncan's child and then they you know switched to rachel later on right because amelia ran off with the children so i was thinking 
maybe the Duncans on purpose didn't make the modification to Sarah and then Helena once the you know embryo split in utero. Maybe they didn't make the genetic modifications. They were like, all right, we're going to have this one and she will be not genetically modified and we're going to raise her. She'll be our child. And then Amelia ran off and they couldn't. So they had Rachel instead. I mean, that crossed my mind. But then Ethan says specifically to Rachel that Sarah was a mistake. Yeah, but what does that mean? I mean, maybe he was saying like we <laughs> did it deliberately. <laughs> <laughs> we did it deliberately, and like we shouldn't have done it. Um, you know, or was it a, actually like a whoops? Or maybe maybe it was a mistake where you know they tried to introduce the mutation, the barcode, and then they screwed it up, and she ended up being the wild type. Could be. I mean, I did read a really interesting thing. I think we reblogged it on our website like a long time ago. Somebody had a theory as to what the clone disease was. And basically, the the thing that allowed Sarah and Helena to be fertile was that fertile and unaffected by the clone disease was the fact that they ended up being twins. Because oh. I think they said whatever the thing initially was. And I don't remember now if this is practical given the information we got in season two, this was a, a last hiatus theory that, that went out into the internet. But um, I think what they said was there was one of the things that caused it in the first place or, or something was I think an excess of hormones or something. And so essentially the fact that there were two fetuses divided the amount of hormones split between them. And, huh. and so that okay. prevented the disease from forming or the uh, whatever the issue was that, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So another thing, going back to Sarah. So the other thing, Sarah is, is once again, I mean, a lot of the stuff we saw with Sarah is stuff we've seen with Sarah before, I feel like, you know, she's, she's the unwitting leader, the or unwilling leader but assumes the mantle anyway and then she's yelling at mrs s for something that mrs s did and that makes me anxious and then mrs s is all beat up <sighs> did, yeah. did you see the uh there's a clip in there of yep. mrs s like tied to a chair or something and and getting beat up by one of the caster clones i saw it yep and it just made me so angry <laughs> and then thinking, well, that guy's probably going to get his ass kicked later. So. <laughs> yeah, international badass. Um, yeah, I had no clue. I got to tell you, that was one of those ones was like, I'm going to have to wait to see that episode because I can't even make the leap of story to get to there. I know. Hmm. And Mrs. S defending herself with, I made a wartime decision. Once again, we're back to this theme of, of war. Which also makes me nervous. Basically, everything in the promos just makes me nervous. <laughs> War, what is it good for? It's good for business. <laughs> and that's actually what Marion Bowles would say, too. Well, yes, even uh, Sarah brought that up with her, talking when, when she got the tour of the house in terms of, you know, and you're going to profit from all this, you know, better you than someone else. So, again, they're, they're very calculating mm -hmm. um, at topside so far. But then again, we barely know anything about them. And of course, that wartime decision was turning over Helena, which I don't know about you guys, but I am not happy about that because now she's in a with that. now she's in a crate with holes in it. I, I still am not all sure the whole how that hole played out once Marion Bowles worked with you know uh, Paul and was able to spring Sarah. Was that because she? offered her Helena and that was enough I'm am I the only one in the dark there or is this what we're waiting to get filled in on I think the way it played out is Mrs. S gave the military Helena and then the military gave Marion Bowles I don't know if it was information or if it was Rudy I don't I'm I'm a little fuzzy on that and then Marion Bowles gave Mrs. S, Sarah, and Kira. It yeah. was a three-point trade. Because <laughs> Paul gave her Marion Bowles in the limo like that red folder. Right. When, when they said, okay, do we have a deal? Yes. And then, so that's, you know, obviously something that's going to need to be revealed. So I, I get that. But I was still a little, you know, wondering why 
the military wants, or did they want Helena specifically, or was it just a clone, is what my head is now wondering. And right. also, to touch on what you said, Chris, the, in the promo with Mrs. S, making a wartime decision, I also at first made the leap that, okay, that's the idea of giving up Helena, but what if it's something else? And now you're just making me worry more, Kevin. <laughs> and that's why this goes in a circle. That's why we talk about it, because otherwise, in our own heads, we just go crazy. Oh, dear. But yeah, I mean, the fact that Helena's locked in a cage and, oh, they're, like, tying her down on a table and holding her down and doing God knows what to her. And you guys, I think she's going to do somebody harm. (laughs) (laughs) You think? (laughs) She definitely is. Yeah. My bold prediction for season three. We kind of saw the softer side of her for a couple episodes near the end of season two, but uh, we know... Where she can be, if she gets that uh, that little ticker in her head goes off, my, I don't want to be anywhere near. You said well, the last I'm- couple episodes of season two, but but see, episode nine was the one where she burned the Prolethean farm down. <laughs> <laughs> the softer side of Helena, and she had that nice you all. small smile on her face when when Felix asked her about that. <laughs> I, I know that's true but see somehow i saw that as a little more appropriate than some of the other things she's done that were a little more uh you know at least to me out there but hey you're absolutely imp- right impersonal violence from a distance <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well it's it's like maybe it's that the violence is aimed in the right direction now i don't know i don't know i don't know how you guys define these things yeah no it's <laughs> it's a very gray area but Damn, is it funny? Okay. Well, and Paul was looking at her too. What yeah. now? So, in one of those promos where oh, Helena right. was, you know, being uncrated, then, you know, Paul, like, opened the crater, was looking at her. Right, right. Paul is the one she makes the little machine gun sounds at. Yeah, looking at her through, like, a what looks like a jail door or something. Mm hmm. Do we think Paul's a good guy or a bad guy? I don't know anymore. Yeah, the more I see him, the more I'm thinking of him, which makes sense with what we've seen in the story, as more like a Mrs. S, that he's opportunistic, but has good intentions in there. But that doesn't mean everybody is safe, because he will make a calculated decision about that whole idea of the needs of the many over the needs of the few kind of thing. Or is it all self-serving? Like, there's, it's hard to tell at this point, because we know he went back to the military and got a promotion, so, you know. Exactly. Opportunity presented it, and he took it. But is he still in love with Sarah? She seems pretty happy with Cal. Is Cal a good guy? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I hope Cal is a good guy. He seems like he's a good guy, but I, I can't say anything definitively, of course. Yeah, if you folks who are listening were expecting real answers, you obviously came to the wrong place. Um (laughs) <laughs> but we all well, knew was, that going in. <laughs> I wasn't actually asking you, thinking that you would um, provide an answer. I was just uh, oh, rhetorical. putting it out there for the dis- discussion. Yeah. Is Cal a good What's guy? What's a rhetorical Discuss. question? <laughs> exactly. What's a, rhetor- What's a rhetorical question? <laughs> and then there are the, the shots of Helena talking to the scorpion, or maybe she's not talking to it in the promos. I don't remember now, but... They keep showing Helena with the scorpion. The promo photos for the season have her holding a scorpion. Did either of you read the comic books yet? No. No. Okay. Then I will not say further, unless you're not going to read the comic books, in which case I will spoil something. Spoil it. Yeah, do tell. Do tell. (laughs) In issue number two, which focuses on Helena, there's a scorpion that Helena essentially seems to be hearing the scorpion talk to her. The scorpion is like an evil Jiminy Cricket, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why is that so appropriate? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. Well, if she's in jail and not getting to talk to a lot of people, like she's probably gotten herself a pet. And, you know, if she's in solitary, she might be hallucinating a bit. But I wonder also if like it's um, trying to call up the parable of the scorpion and the frog, you know, where yeah. they... Swim yeah. across the river and then sting. They both die. Why'd you do that? It's just in my nature. Yep. Because mm. that is definitely Helena. She, you know, in her nature is going to control what she does. Interesting. Or maybe she's a Scorpio. 
<laughs> I don't think she is. I think they were all born in spring. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, there's still the issue of whether or not she is pregnant now. Right. After getting kidnapped. Yeah. And are they feeding her? I mean, oy. yeah, we don't even know if the if the military guys know that she may be pregnant. So, so many directions everything can go in. I know, and you know, this show is from Canada. Usually in Canada, it's just one direction. <laughs> you have like a list of these, and you just wait for the perfect moment, don't you? <laughs> like a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Allison. Uh, Allison, once again, seems to be in danger because there's a shot of some creepy dude lurking in the background of, I don't know, is that her house? It looked I, like it might be her house. I thought it was her house, yes. Yep. Looked like it. I'm just hoping that there's a golf club within reach for her. <laughs> blue gun, whatever. <laughs> she looked like she had a gun, did she not? Oh, In I don't hand. remember. I think she's going to shoot him. I wouldn't put it past her. And I think that Allison, you know, she certainly seems to be in danger. That's what that scene was showing. But, you know, also there was the scene of her at the soccer field going, any clone that messes with the Hendrixes is going to get his ass kicked. <laughs> She's talking game. Awesome. <laughs> yep. And then she's like, I have to go. Girls, no bunching. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I think that um, that was telegraphing to me anyway, that uh, she's not going to be a helpless victim. You know, even if she is in danger, she's going to defend her family. I believe it. Yeah, she has found her inner strength there. Like I said, she, it might take a while to get to the switch. But when the switch goes, she's as dangerous as anybody. Plus, I was thinking about this, too. In the first season... She was talking about how, you know, none of this comes near my kids and in all this sort of thing, very much in a I am defending my family at all costs mentality. And it seems like now, especially going into season three, I think that definition of family has extended to the clones. For sure. She seemed to just be at first, like first season, you know, just in it for herself and signing the agreement with Dyad, like, I'm going to keep my husband and my kids safe and uh now it's like bigger picture yeah she's really coming out on that and i think i I think there's a good chance we're going to really see her grow quite a bit this season because of that oh also in those promos there is the clone who's been captured i guess by uh james frayne whoever his character is james frayne always plays creepy people though and he's he's got his hands on the clone and it looks kind of like sarah but you're like i don't think that's sarah do we think that's Allison? I think they framed that so well we can't tell, so I, yeah. Or is it Allison pretending to be Sarah or Kasima <laughs> pretending? Well, that's to- what I mean. I think it's I think it's Allison pretending to be Sarah. I think he calls her Sarah, but it doesn't look like Sarah. Oh. There's, there's something wrong. <laughs> Cuz like I the hair know. is the hair is too big to be <laughs> Allison normally, but if Allison's pretending to be Sarah, then it makes sense. Maybe she went overboard. Maybe it's Kasima pretending to be Sarah and she's, you know, like let her dreads out and, you know, it's just poof. <laughs> I still think it's Allison. No, I anyway. think you're right. I'm just... <laughs> so speaking of Kasima, they, they did say in the there's a, that clip from the first episode. I believe Felix tells Sarah that Kasima is doing better and her temperature is pretty normal or, or something. She's got some color in her cheeks. So that's a relief, at least. I, I by no means think that she's fully healed, but certainly she had to be doing better than she was at the end of season two, right? Yeah, she's still alive, so that's yeah. you know, better than maybe we expected. Yeah, because we were all getting very worried with that whole out-of-body experience almost looked like she had when she was re- you know, before she was reading the books to Kira. Right. And, and in one of the little behind the scenes things, Tatiana Maslany was talking about that scene and how she's sort of having this out of body experience. And then I was thinking, well, that makes sense given that we know that there's a new character coming in the season played by Ksenia Solo, Shay, who's a holistic healer. And so then I was sort of thinking about those two things. Do we think that's the connection that Kasima has this sort of out of body spiritual moment experience and and that's what opens her up to going looking for a holistic healer? Oh, I wonder. 
Well, she certainly seems like the personality type who would be willing to examine those avenues, especially if she's got the physical challenges and medicine isn't going to make itself, you know, available as fast as you'd want. She certainly seems like she'd be the type to be open to it. And maybe she's just physically, uh, what's the word, kind of like, you know, that that kind of stuff will have more of an impact on her for that reason. Yeah, I wonder because in, you know, one of the promos also, you know, maybe it was when Tatiana Maslany was talking about the character of Kasima, saying that like this person, you know, is very like driven by science or the real like scientific world. I can't remember exactly who was saying it or what, but, you know, and then, you know, she was also kind of going through this experience that was kind of broadening her mind. And, you know, it's funny on the one hand, Kasima, if you just kind of met her out in the world, you might think that she was really into, you know, new agey things. And she probably is to some extent, but she's also really firmly grounded in science. So uh, anyway, I don't know. I can't wait to see. I know the answer to this question, but I would ask it anyway. Are you excited that Ksenia Solo is going to be on Orphan Black, Kevin? Yes! Hell yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Kevin is a huge Ksenia Solo fan. And huge doesn't even come close to describing it. <laughs> I know, but there is no word big enough. <laughs> uh, true. Ginormous. Yes. Yeah, I, it's going to be, talk about fandoms collide. When we first heard about that, I, oh my God. <laughs> my name is also, not Kevin, but I'm excited too. <laughs> I, think, I think all of us who watch Lost Girl are excited about this, but... Anyway, uh, we also see that Kasima is keeping Duncan's notes secret from her sisters, which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, it's also the kind of stuff that she is smart enough to know how beneficial that probably is. So I think part of it might be that she's keeping it only because she wants to understand it a little bit first. And she knows that with the danger they're all in, at this point, if any of them were aware of it, because we heard... uh, Rachel bringing it up to Sarah uh, in, the, in the end of season two, asking where it was. So I think there's partially a keep them safe, but also I need to l- figure out a little more what it is before I want to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like plausible deniability. And she also does say to Kira that, you know, we're going to keep this between us until we figure it out or something to that effect. And it looks like Scott's still around, which I'm excited about. Me too. Very true. And uh, Rachel... Just going to mention real quick here, because they show her in a hospital bed with bandages over her her eye, or what used to be her eye. I so can't wait to see her with an eye patch. <laughs> it was interesting, though, because they, they showed that first one. There's just like a quick glimpse of her, and somebody actually, I think, tweeted us, the, the podcast, and asked if we thought that was really Rachel. And I was confused by this because I was thinking, who else would it be? But then they made a pretty good point that the way they left it and sort of teasing, well, did she survive or not? It's like, would they give that away in the promos this early, you know? Did she survive getting a pencil in her eye? Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't she? Because your brain is behind there? (laughs) I don't know. But, I mean, there's a bone, right? Isn't there a, there's a bone between, no, there's not. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that thing was not just poked. It was shot at her. So, you know, my concern is, yeah, the depth of where that went. But we'll see. Yeah, and, we'll you see. know, Kira was real good at making sharp pencils, too, so. <laughs> we got to have Rachel, though. She's such a great Oh, artist. yeah, I would hate to not have. That's why I say her, her in a stylish eye patch is just... Until her bionic eye is ready. <laughs> exactly. Or or their clothes. Maybe they, they, she has spares around the lab. Somewhere. I was going to say. And then uh, let's see. Felix, as we talked about, didn't really get a whole lot of, you know, screen time in the promos. It seemed like we know that he's apparently now rooming with Kasima. And from what we've seen, it looks like it's sort of more of the same for Felix. Like he's playing, playing the support part, it seems like. Yeah, again, the lack of information so far in the promos, I'm not taking as a negative thing, because I'm I just going to wait to see, you know, some awesomeness of Felix interacting with the group. Any Felix is good Felix, though, right? Absolutely. Agreed. And then there's Delphine. There's a lot to say about Delphine. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> First, it, 
first and probably most important, it seems like her hair is straight. So my question is, how will this affect the fandom? I think people are panicking already. <laughs> people people don't know what to think, I think. I know. Like, does it signify anything or or what? Like, seriously, maybe it does signify something. Like, a change of hairstyle could be used to indicate something. It was I mostly included that question, like, for fun, but... You but know. now you're thinking about it and worried? Well, yes. Now I'm thinking about, like, is there a metaphor here? I don't know. But her hair um, has been a very important topic in the fandom. So the other thing is, and I got a little confused about timeline. So Sarah is talking to Rudy in Marion Bowles' basement. And then, you know, when the conversation kind of goes sideways and he starts making vague threats or what can be interpreted to be vague threats... Somebody says, pull her out now. And when I saw that promo a while ago, I was like, that looks like Delphine. And someone told me, I can't remember who. No, it's not her. But I think it actually is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. And But last we saw, Delphine was on her way to Frankfurt, right? So wh- when is this conversation happening? Is it immediately like after Sarah has met Charlotte and goes into the basement? Or is it later? I think well, it's the same time. From what we saw of the other stuff, because wasn't... Sarah having that phone conversation around the same time she was talking to Rudy? I think so. But, like, how did Delphine get into Marion Bowles' basement from presumably Frankfurt? Well, well I don't think she got to Frankfurt. Yeah, I think my thought was Rachel told her that's where she was going in that elevator conversation. And then shortly after was when Marion came in and changed everything up, you know, basically overrode. <laughs> what Rachel was going to be able to do. So I suspected that she just contacted Delphine to say, no, no, I'm in charge here. Don't get on that plane. I need you over here at my mansion kind of thing. All right. Right. Because Delphine was uh, on the elevator being escorted out by security dude. It's possible that, yeah, as you say, Kevin, that, you know, Marion Bowles got there and gave new orders to her security escort. So, Yeah. That's, anyway, that's the assumption I made. Again, time I'm, I might be wrong, but that's how I kind of read it. Yeah, me but too. It makes logical sense. I guess I've just been expecting a storyline where she's in Frankfurt, but I'm readjusting my expectations. There's also part of a promo that shows her in a hallway, and she's super upset about something and crying. So That also makes me nervous. What's going on? That's a rhetorical question. (laughs) And here's the answer to that rhetorical question. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But the things that could be going on, maybe she's had a fight with Kasima. It looks like that might be where things are going. Maybe not necessarily a fight, but it looks like there might be something going on that way. Her hair is straight now. Maybe she's decided she actually is straight, and so they just broke up. Maybe that's what the scene is. (laughs) Or maybe it was after getting her hair straight that it upset her so much. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was a bad haircut. <laughs> we talked Kasima. about her hair last year on the speculation episode, too. Kasima saw her with the straight hair and said, you know what? I'm not into it anymore. Let's break up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please don't send me hate mail. <laughs> uh, or, you know, I mean, more seriously, like maybe she and Kasima had a fight, a difference of opinion about what to do. Um, maybe they broke up. My the you know, the thought that I didn't want to voice was that, you know, maybe Kasima's health took a turn for the very, very worse. Yeah. I mean, that's what would really upset her, as we know, is something to do with Kasima. So as you said, Chris, it's not, <laughs> none of the options are good <laughs> as to why she's like that. Nobody likes a sad puppy. No. <laughs> but yeah, and now I'm wondering, like, did Marion Bowles intercept the security escort and Delphine and then orders the security escort to take her to the hair salon so she could get her hair <laughs> hairdo changed? Yes, yeah, that- because she's in the elevator with curly hair and then she's in Marion Bowles' basement with straight hair. Exactly. Like 12 hours later or something timeline you guys oh, maybe she's a clone but we know crazy and amazing things can happen with delphine's hair in the span of 12 hours because you know season two started the night of season one ended all right so amazing hair amazing it it grew like six inches or something in that in that one night <laughs> it's actually amazing delphine's miracle hair anyway and then there's paul we also don't see a whole lot, but he's he's looking very uh, Terminatory badass, Paul. 
Mm-hmm. He's looking very detached to me. You know, we saw him a lot. Really seemed like he was, you know, caring about Sarah and on some other stuff. But now we see him since he's been on his military uniform and he seems very detached to me. Yeah, that's what Stephanie calls Terminator Paul. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't know where his loyalties lie. Yeah, it's it's a big question mark. Anything else about Paul? I hope he and Mrs. S totally hook up this season. <laughs> if only so we can hear Stephanie squee like a like a fangirl. Yeah, I want I want to see the two of them like pinned down by gunfire behind like a table and decided to go out in a blaze of glory together. You know, except not not going out in a blaze of glory. That no, Kevin. Well, I just mean personality wise, they totally seem like the two that would just you know a, a team of ten SWAT totally come down on their location it's the two of them who just decide to do that knowing that they're so qualified at what they do that of course they'll survive okay yeah i can see that happening <laughs> butch and sundance about- yeah yeah there you go thumb in louise no <laughs> <laughs> what about cal thoughts about cal i think there's still more to be revealed about cal i don't know what it is i i feel like with paul at the beginning of the season, we started off not liking him. He seemed like a jerk. Then we warmed up to him. It seemed like he was on Sarah's side. And then, you know, he's back to maybe being a jerk now. Cal, on the other hand, has seemed to be, like, awesome and trustworthy and took awesome care of Kira. So, to me, that just says there's some big switch in the hopper for Cal. And that's why I'm reluctant to believe that he's actually as good as he seems to be. That's a rather cynical view of things, Sally. <laughs> TV has made me cynical. I understand. I understand. I've been hurt one too many times. I, I must say, for me right now, I'm really feeling that the positive vibe of him, I really do think he might be one of the few people in the show who's going to turn out to only have good intentions. But I've been slapped upside the head many times, too. So um, I'm going out on a limb there, but uh, it's just a gut feel. I, I tend to also be like cautiously optimistic about Paul. About Cal. Cal. About Cal. Not Paul. I don't know I don't know what to feel about Paul, but yes, Cal. Sorry. And then there's Gracie and Mark. And I just don't know what to feel about them either. <laughs> Those two crazy kids. Well, because there's that somewhat unnerving scene in the promos where it looks like do we think that's Mark or do we think that's one of the other caster clones? Is like feeling up Gracie and Gracie. Oh my God. Did you not see that? I did, but I didn't realize fully realize the implications until now. Ooh. Yeah. There's, there's going to be something skeezy going there, I think. Because she looks freaked out when he does it. And so that's why I'm like, is that one of the other caster clones or is Mark just like suddenly being a lot more aggressive and that's what's alarming her. But I wasn't sure uh, if it's the same scene I'm thinking of, I wasn't sure that was Gracie. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure it is, but it looks like she's wearing the same thing in a shot where we can see her face clearly. So I don't know, but I think it is. Yeah, obviously they're trying to get us to realize that this is a situation where they've exchanged a couple on someone, whether it's Gracie or not, and that's obviously going to freak somebody out. There was a shot of somebody wearing what looked like you know, a really brightly colored, maybe satiny negligee. Was that Gracie? Yeah, I think so. That That's, yeah. I can't imagine Gracie wearing anything like that. Yeah, not that, not that we've seen so far. So, but it's going to be interesting to see them as to how much they get to stay on the fringe of the story or if they get dragged into the middle of all this. I think they're definitely going to be in the middle of all of this because Gracie is presumably carrying, you know, embryos from Helena and Mark's a clone, so they're they got to be central, right? And they got married at the end of last season, so yeah, that, that could that, explain the negligee. <laughs> that whole big service with all their friends there, exactly. Hmm. And now I'm sad for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, to some extent, <laughs> they've they haven't always been all nice. No, no, I know. But I'm I'm more sympathetic to Gracie than I am to Mark, but because I'm still I'm so suspicious about Mark, especially given the information that we have now that they were raised knowing each other and knowing 
probably, I would assume, that they're clones. So, Like, Mark was definitely on a covert mission to infiltrate the Prolethians, I think. Still unclear. So, yeah, if that's the case, then is he still on his mission now, or did he just fall in love and decide to go off, you know, the reservation, well, so to speak? Maybe his mission, who knows what his mission was, but um, if he knew that, you know, they were doing whatever it was they were doing, maybe his mission was to get Gracie and take her away because she's pregnant with Helena's offspring. Oh, yeah. Wait until she is impregnated and then then it's time to make the run for it. I don't think that Mark had any, you know, big conversion. I had a different opinion, I think, a few weeks ago, but... You know, it's so hard to tell. It is. I mean, it's very ambiguous. Maybe that's part of why Gracie was looking so horrified and, you know, like, what? Maybe it was Mark, but maybe he had just said something like, you know, yeah, I was never really into the whole being a farming prolethean. I'm actually with the military and you're coming with me to wherever we're holding Helena. (laughs) And by the way, all my brothers are clones. That's right. It's a oh, weird conversation yes. to have as he's feeling her up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just I, I wouldn't recommend it, but hey, to each his own. Everybody has their own version of Dirty Talk. <laughs> Gonna have to talk to that boy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else anybody wants to talk about? I can't wait for April 18th at <laughs> 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. <laughs> yeah, so excited it's back and that we're going to have 10 episodes to go all crazy on again. And I'm looking forward to, of course, listening to the Tatiana's Everyone podcast after each episode. I think it's funny that Sally always feels compelled to promote my podcast on my podcast. <laughs> I'm actually Thank not, you, but it's you, weird. <laughs> well, you're weird, but... I know, I know. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not even trying to promote your podcast. I just, uh, this is a genuine emotion. I like listening to what you and Stephanie have to say after the episodes. I often learn things or things I didn't notice when watching it or something I didn't understand. You guys explain it, so. Exactly. For a show thank like this. Thank you for spending time on it. Yep. Well, thank you both. Well, thank you both for, for being here and talking with me at length about the promos since Stephanie won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank Glad you. To. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It was fun. It's nice to get together with you guys again. It's like a little mini Dragon Con reunion. There we go. And uh, we'll we'll put links in our show notes to to your other endeavors, so people can find you online if they're if they're interested in hearing more of your thoughts about stuff. So awesome! Thank you. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the season three promos. You can send those to us in a number of ways. You can leave a comment on our show notes at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 62. You can leave a voice message by clicking the tab on the side of the website. Or you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 972-514-7223. You can also send us an email at feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. We're also on Twitter at podcast. And we're also on Facebook. And this week, Sally's children were played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. <laughs>